Thanks for tuning in on our Canyon Hills San Luis Obispo podcast. Wherever you're tuning in from, we pray you're encouraged by the message. Long enough. Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 38. The Bible says, Now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha. Everyone say Martha. She welcomed him into her house. Notice, she welcomed him into her house. Super important, got to remember it. And she had a sister called Mary. Say Mary. So we've got Martha and we've got Mary. Okay, she had a sister named Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted. Everyone say distracted. Gonna be vocal today. I'm excited. If you're gonna slime me out there after service, I'm gonna make you repeat so many words today that you do not wanna slime me today. So she was distracted with much serving And she approached him, Jesus, and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, 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 you are worried and you are troubled about many things, many things, many things, many things, many things. Some of us are troubled not by one thing, but by many things and many things. And if there's not many things on our lives right now, get ready, it's coming. Many things. Verse 42, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken from her. If you're taking notes this morning, I'd like to speak to you very briefly on the subject of focus. Would you look at your neighbor real quick and say, focus. Would everybody on this side of the room look at Suede and look at Doug and say, focus, focus. Those are my buddies right there. It's good to have you guys. Let's pray. Father, help in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen and amen. Omar, thank you so much. Church, thank you so much. Hey, let me start off with a question like we normally do. The theme that we're talking about today, obviously, is we're talking about focus But in reality, we're dealing with distraction. Now, show of hands, full participation, who finds themselves more times often or not distracted by, oh man, I'm speaking to the right group today. Man, distraction, right? I think we all have. Matter of fact, um, I know for me it happens every single week. Now, I know you're looking at me and I'm looking at you and I know you could be distracted by things up here or by me or by anything or by someone using the restroom or somebody walking around. But I've got these windows right here and if I'm being honest, even in the midst of talking to you, I could find myself week in and week out completely distracted. Some of you will remember this, it was months ago, literally as I was speaking on a Sunday morning, there were two trucks that pulled into our parking lot One of them was full of stuff, a bunch of stuff, and they weren't people from our church. Full of stuff. I saw two people get out of their vehicles, shake each other's hands, pull out their phones, hand over some cash, and everything from this truck literally went to that truck. We literally had a sale of purchase in our parking lot on a Sunday morning, and here's what's crazy. The whole time that's going on, I'm actually saying words to you guys but my brain is like right over there. And if I'm being honest, by the time they finally left the parking lot and my mind turned back on to, oh, wait a minute, we're having church right now and you're listening to me, you were probably thinking what I was thinking. What in the world did he just say? And I started thinking to myself, what in the world did I just say? Completely distracted. Man, I tell you, I could be sitting in a room, you could ask my wife, God bless her heart and her soul. 
We could be sitting in a room, sitting at the house, out, and I could see little things left or right that are distracting me. I could see a light bulb out in the middle of service and be distracted. Some of you, I could think of a conversation, right, that we had throughout the week on the phone or whatever the case may be. And literally, as I'm speaking to you guys, I'm thinking about, oh, yeah, that's right, we were talking about that. Oh, that's their name right there. And like, oh, squirrel, right? Distracted. I I think all of us have literally been to the point where it's like, man, I could literally be distracted. Am I speaking to the right crowd? Yeah, distracted. Um, What I want to do today is I want to talk about that, but not necessarily just in a fun level. I will say, if you ever get the opportunity to speak in front of a crowd, do all you can not to be distracted. But I actually want to go a little bit deeper than that because I really feel there's an attack not only on marriages like we talked about a little bit, but also an attack on relationships and things that in our lives that really should be a top priority that aren't a top priority because we're distracted by things that are really just good, but they're not best. We can get distracted by it. I looked up that word distraction. The word actually came out in the 1590s, a.k.a. a long time ago. And the definition of the word was really intriguing to me because it really begins to talk about what happens when we have a distracted mind. The definition of distraction is a pulling apart or a, or a separating. Everyone say pull apart. Everyone say separating. So a distraction, what it does is it pulls us apart or it pulls us away from something that is right in front of us or it actually can create a separation. It can separate us from those things that are in front of us. So it means a drawing of the mind to a different direction. So, so the big question that I have in understanding distraction being such a big issue is really a more spiritual issue, is that do we realize, do you and do I, do we realize that our spiritual enemy and every force of hell is trying to distract you and distract me from living the life that God would want us to live in the, in the matters and in the issues that matter most. It's not just a matter that your brain can't stay in the right spot. It's an attack that the enemy would say is if I can get this person to start focusing on things that really don't matter, the things that do matter will fall off. And the enemy, I mean, think about it. Every demonic force wants to pull apart, wants to divide your mind, wants to discourage your soul, wants to disengage your faith and distract you from the things that matter most. You've heard me say this before, but it bears repeating. It would be really good to write down if you're taking notes. Craig Rochelle said this. He said, the devil doesn't need to destroy you if he can distract you. See, a lot of times we think the devil is just going to come after us and mess our lives up in ways that are super enormous and super crazy. But more times than not, think about it. Many of you aren't walking away from your faith. So if he knows that he can't grab your faith or your trust in Jesus, then what's he going to do? He's going to start to distract you. Because he knows that big rock. For some, the devil knows he's not going to pull your marriage apart. So what's he going to do? Okay, I can't take their marriage but I can distract their marriage. Okay, I can't, I can't take control of this area, but I can distract that area. I want you to hear it again. The devil doesn't need to destroy you if he can distract you. Let's go back to our opening story. Let's break it down so we have the context of it, right? So, so Jesus has found himself in a certain village is what the Bible says. And the Bible goes on to say that Martha, who was a great friend of Jesus, by the way, we know that from the story of Lazarus and all that stuff and Mary being a part of it, um, 
Martha sees that Jesus has come into town, and what does she say? I told you to remember this, right? She invited Jesus to her home. Now, let's understand the story, right? Because you've heard me say this before. I think Mary gets, I'm sorry, Martha gets a really bad rap, right? We read this story, and we go, gosh, man, Martha really missed the mark on this one. Jesus, the Son of God, is literally sitting in there, and here she is doing this and doing that and cooking this. She's got the potpourri going or the Glade plugins going. The bathroom is perfectly sanitized. It smells like bleach. That would make you pass out. She's got all this stuff going on. Look at her. She's so distracted. Oh, gosh, how dare Martha. And then we prove the point, right? Because Jesus goes, Mary's chosen this, but we forget. If we don't read the Bible and don't understand the time and the customs, this is an Eastern thing, not necessarily a Western thing, although some of you, you act like you're Eastern because you won't let people touch your house if it's not spot clean. I'm going to just start showing up at people's houses just to mess with them. <laughs> Bet you weren't ready for you or for me, were you, right? The thing that we have to understand about this story to understand the context of it is the fact that Martha invited Jesus. And according to that custom, she is responsible for making sure everything is done. She, by custom, should be preparing all of these things. That's the crazy part. We, we look down on Martha, but she's just... Listen, some of you in here, can I just be honest with you? I don't know why I asked that question, because it's not like you're going to say no. And you don't want me to lie, but some of you all need to be thankful for Martha's. And what I mean by that is you need to be thankful for the people that put in the work so that you can just sit around. On a more spiritual level, we got to continue to be thankful for the Marthas who show up. Because if the Marthas in the room didn't show up, we'll also throw Murphys in there. I think we need to have Marthas and Murphys for the guys. It's the first thing that came to mind. See, squirrel, right? We need to be thankful for those because if not, these lights aren't turned on. If not, worship doesn't lead you into the presence of God. If not, your kiddos don't get to go outside and have the time of their lives and slime me forever today because the Marthas and the Murphys. Should I name them Mo? Marty. Marty sounds good. Okay, so the Marthas and the Marthas. Thank God for the Martys and the Marthas. Listen, if it wasn't for them, your bills would not be paid. Some of you need to look at your spouse a little bit different right now, right? If it wasn't, listen, I, you get the point? Like, if it's not for them, a lot of things don't take place. So let's just start there. Martha's a good lady. Look at your neighbor and say, she's a good lady. She's good. Martha's good. But, 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 think about it. Something in the story is a little bit different than that. Now, what I love so much about the story is look at how Jesus handles the situation. There, there's something that I think will help. And I know we're going to do marriage here in a few weeks, but I'll just say it now. There's something very helpful about two words. It's called care and candor. Everyone say care. care. And everyone say candor. Okay. So care is I'm going to address you with love. So there's an issue going on, right? In marriages, this would be super helpful. And I'm speaking to me. Remember, if I have one finger pointed at you, I've got three pointing back at me. Okay, so care, loving, grace. Everyone say grace. She said, let's just say you have an issue with a person or a spouse or whatever. When you have something going on, you need to be care. And you can add the word careful, that you are caring. Jesus does that. Martha, Martha. He didn't point a finger at her and say, come on, pull it together, Martha. He didn't do that. He gave her care, but then 
he gave her candor. Another word for candor would just be he was truthful. Remember how Jesus said you have to have grace and truth? See, some of us in issues in our world, in our economy, in our lives, on social media, keyboard warriors, if you just had a little bit of care, maybe that person would listen to you a little bit better. But because you didn't have grace and care, your truth does not matter to them. Jesus does the same thing. Jesus goes, Martha, Martha, you're worried about so many things. He wasn't belittling her, berating her. He was saying, you're so worried about this. It's as if Jesus was saying, and I understand. But here's the thing, Martha. Mary has chosen to do the right thing. I won't take that from her. What a powerful illustration of that. So if we understand the story, though, let's go back to what Martha was missing or what was going on in Martha's life. At the end of the day, Martha had great intentions, but she was distracted. Everyone say distracted. Here's, what's, here's another fascinating thing. You heard me say this last week. It wasn't even that she was distracted by a, a bad thing. She was distracted by doing a good thing. And so many times and so often in life, so often the most difficult choices aren't between good and bad, but they're between good and best. You ever notice that? We talked about that last week. It's amazing how in the story she was doing a good thing, but she wasn't doing the best thing. And for us today, here's the deal. If your enemy, if he can't make you bad, then what he'll do is he'll distract you away from using your life to the things that honor God and make an eternal difference, and you'll get caught up in a lot of good things, but not a lot of God things, and a lot of God things are very much so the best things. So we have to understand that, okay? So it gets us to the point in our service where we begin to ask these two questions if you're new with us. Every time we get together, we're always talking about, okay, we're talking about the theme of distraction. We're talking about focusing. So when it comes to this, what do I need to know about distractions? What do I need to know about that? And then secondly, what is it that I need to do? So here's what you need to know about distractions, okay? You can write this down. You need to remove distractions by determining what's best, not good. Two different words. Remove distractions by determining what's best and not good. Now, that might bring another question, right? Well, how do I choose what is best? How do I look at my life and rally everything around it so that I find myself focusing on the things that I should be focusing on and letting go of the things that really don't deserve my time or attention? Okay, you guys ready for this? I want to just give you three points. It's going to be a short sermon today because we've got a party. But at the same time, I'm going to give you some points. I'm going to give you scripture. And then we're going to go party. Does that sound good? All right, you guys ready? All right, here we go. Three points. How do I choose what's best? Number one, very simply, you've got to limit the distractions. Now you're like, Pastor Rich, you've been saying that for the past 14 minutes and 53 seconds. Yes, I know. But it's the very first thing you've got to do. You've got to decide in your life that if I want to choose what's best, I have to limit distractions. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 35. And I say this, I say for your own profit. Not that I may put a leash on you, but for what is proper. Now watch here. And that you may serve the Lord without distraction. Okay, so here's what's going on. The Apostle Paul is speaking, and he's saying that I want you to do whatever will help you serve the Lord best. He's saying, I don't want you distracted. He's saying, I don't want you to just accept average, which a lot of people do, or mundane, which a lot of people do, or normal, which a lot of people do, but I want you to do what helps you serve the Lord the best 
with as few distractions as possible. Does that make sense? Shooting a lot out at you guys right now, and I'm staring at a guy making hot dogs. Lord, help me. <laughs> Distraction. All right, so I got to limit my distractions. I got to start blocking windows. So, so let's dive deeper here, okay? If I've got to limit distractions, let me bring this to a level or a place where all of us, well, maybe not all of us, but most of us completely understand. Now, before I do this, I need everyone looking at me. I'm feeling really vocal today. A lot of caffeine going on. Listen close. Look at me and give me the best smile you can give me real quick because I'm getting ready to say something that might turn that frown upside down. Right? So I'm getting... Ah! Let's just dive a little bit deeper, right? I, I would argue, I would argue, as part of the Trinity, you have the Father, you have the Son, and you have this little mobile device right here. And I'll tell you why I know that. Because many times when we're getting ready to make a mistake with this, it's the Holy Spirit saying, you should not be making a mistake with this. So many times, I was thinking about this message, like if I have to talk about what's more distracting or what could help us be distracted, I'm like, nothing beats this in so many ways. Now remember, you smiled at me, right? So I'm gonna give you care and candor. I love you, you look great, we're gonna have fun. Here comes the candor part. This right here will rob you of God's best for your life. You say, oh, you're taking something so small and making it so big. No, I'm not, and you know it. This little thing right here has the ability to stop a conversation just like that, doesn't it? For example, I'm talking to you, and the minute this thing goes off, if I start pulling this out as I'm talking to you, and I do this, what did that just tell you? They're not interested in my conversation. This thing right here has the, some of you, you show up to family functions. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm saying this because this was me for a long time. And the minute you walk in the door, this is you. Everyone's talking. Not you, though. You're here. A lot of important things to do that you can get back to later, by the way. A lot of things going on. The meal's being served. People are praying. Now, you are godly enough to go, okay, it's time to pray for the food. Yes, yes, yes. But then it's like, boom, right back up. Now the dinner's going on, Right? It's a great time to just put it away and talk and engage. Listen, I know everybody in the family has a crazy one, right? And if you can't identify the crazy one, you're the crazy one. That's usually how it works. But it's like this little thing right here, right? It just gets in the way. It's funny how something's so small. Did, did, did you know? I don't know why my voice is cracked right there. Did you know? that before phones actually came out, people knew how to have conversations. And it was normal. That's why, if you look, matter of fact, I won't get into it, because I could though, if you go deep down into it, when you look at even the way that homes are designed today, slower and slower and slower have we gotten away. Think about this, how many newer homes do they build with porches? When you'd watch, some of you, wiser people in the room, right? You know what it was like as a kid to walk down the street and see your neighbors on the front porch and at least say hi. Remember those days? Okay, let's talk about another invention that got in the way of that. Garage door. Think about it. When there was no garage door, where did you park your car? In a driveway. Who would see you do that in a driveway? Your neighbor would. Let's go a step further. Homes used to not have fences. Did you notice that? They weren't built of fences. 
You could see your neighbor's house all the time, which means you could see them. It, do you see the slide that has been, that literally all these things go up. You can pull into your house, shut your garage door, and never talk to a soul. It's that easy. Some of you are like, thank God I can, right? <laughs> right? Which, by the way, usually the ones who, like, you know, kind of get under your skin the most are the people that God has exactly placed where they are. Oh, you know, but we're just living in a physical world. Or God's trying to bring something out in you called patience. Think about it, right? When you look back and you look, you're like, this is, this is so true. This one little device right here can do it. But this started a long time ago. It started before this. This is just where we are. I mean, did you know that the average person can't go 10 minutes without picking that thing up right there? Some of you are like, no, it's okay, it's in my pocket. Yeah, and in your pocket, every 10 minutes, you pull it out. Did you know they say the average adult spends two, spends, oh, okay, wait, smile, smile, smile. Because now we're going from just a phone, now let's pop social media on top of that. Did you know the average adult spends two hours a day on social media? Two hours a day. Scrolling and 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 scrolling, right? Just scrolling all the time. But if you've got that conquered, then you have what we call the YouTube hole. You know what the YouTube hole is? If you don't, it's where you watch one video and then the suggested video comes up and that looks really good. So then you go to that one too. Then the next thing you know, three hours later, you're like, what am I doing? Social media distracted think about it on a spiritual level someone posts something that you don't agree with and your heart towards them goes wrong ah that's a distraction from the love of god by the way just going to throw that out there some of you i'm just going to say straight some of you put way too much stock and value in what people post you would save yourself so much heartache and time if you just put it away Remember, I told you I was going to dive a little bit deeper on this one. Now, listen to me. At the same time, what a powerful tool the phone is. Think of all the things you can do from your phone that you could not do decades ago. It's an amazing tool. But just like everything that's good, the devil wants to counterfeit it with something, and he wants to turn it into bad. So what I'm saying to all of us, and let me just say this to the parents in the room, myself included, be very careful how much value you give this phone, especially in the presence of your kids, because it speaks volumes to them. What you think is just a whisper is a shout to them, because this right here says, Dad doesn't care about what I'm getting ready to ask him. Or if I bother Dad right here, it's going to be an inconvenience. You have to limit the distractions. It's not just this. It's to-do lists. It's the need for more. Got to have more, got to have more, got to have more, got to get more, got to be Distraction. Relationships, if not careful, distraction. Number one, I'll just say this, if not godly. I, I make no bones about this anymore. Like, I'm, just as a pastor, I've just made this declaration. If I have to talk about finances, I will not be timid about it because I want God's best for you. But I'm also going to say this about relationships too. If they don't love Jesus with all their heart, with all their soul, with all your mind, you need to run and get away and leave them alone. Oh, pastor, that's just so mean. No, no, no. Because you're going to make a covenant with someone. And if they don't love the Lord, if they don't put the Lord first, they will never be what they need to be for you. Moving on. So we're going to limit. The second thing we're going to do is we're going to prioritize and focus on what's important. 
If we're gonna, if we're gonna get rid of it, if we're gonna choose what's best, limit distractions. Number two, we're gonna prioritize and focus on what's important. Let me give you some scriptures. Proverbs 4.25. Let your eyes look, what's that word say? Straight ahead. Everyone say straight ahead. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Your eyelids look right before you. Ponder the path of your feet and let all your ways be established. In the message version, keep your eyes straight ahead. Watch this. Ignore all sideshow distractions. Watch your step and the road will stretch out. I love this. Smooth before you. That sounds a lot better than the alternative. Just recently, I was uh, at, my, at one of my son's um, golf academy lessons. And before they put the image up on the screen, um, you guys have heard me talk a lot about this. Matter of fact, his coach is here today. Both of his coaches are here today and his family. Great to have you. Uh, really, it's an honor to have you today. Um, and we were at this. And this time that we walked up, this is a couple weeks ago, I walked up and I noticed that Coach Tony had a whiteboard, which I am a whiteboard kind of guy. I don't have one in my office right now, and it is driving me up a wall. Give me a whiteboard and let me go. It's on. So I walked up that day and I saw, God bless you. Woo! And I walked up and I saw this whiteboard and I was like, oh, let's see what he has to say on this one. And that day they were working on something that made me think about this point right here. And that day, simply up on the whiteboard, they're going to pop it up on the screen. It had this word that simply said gap. Everyone say gap. Now, I saw this and I watched the practice, but it wasn't until last week that I found out a little more about this. I was talking with Coach Tony. I call him Tony, but in the city I'm going to call him Coach Tony, so now everybody else is going to know you as Coach Tony. Um, and I was talking about this, and he had talked about how there was, it's really fascinating to me. Um, don't worry, this isn't a squirrel moment. It's actually part of it. He was saying that a lot of the times, mathematically, if there's a few things that you do, mathematically, you will have a greater chance of succeeding. Now, I heard him say that, and then I rewound to this moment right here. So what he was doing with MJ and some of the ones that were there is they were working on something that they needed to do first before they took their golf swing. The first thing was is they needed to focus on their grip. The second thing was is they needed to focus on their aim. And then the last thing was is they needed to focus on their posture. And what coach was teaching him that day is there are things that are within your control before you even make a swing that you need to do. You need to look at your grip. You need to make sure your aim is correct. You need to understand your posture, know where you are, soft hips, all that stuff. And then from that point, take that swing. And I was thinking about this whole portion right here when it says in Scripture where it talks about keeping your eyes straight or, or looking straight ahead. But what really got my attention and the Lord brought me to this was the understanding of control what you can control. Watch here. MJ could step up to that golf ball and do those three things and take his swing. Now, there's a lot of things that could change in that swing. There's a lot of things going around. What's the sun like that day? Is it overcast? Is the wind going? Is the ground wet? All these different factors that he has no control over. But he does have control over these things. Now, watch here. In a more spiritual level, think of Peter. Remember Peter? Peter's on the boat. Jesus is walking on the water. We know the story, right? By the way, there were 11 cowards on the boat and only one brave guy, and his name was Peter. So before you start making fun of Peter, the crazy guy, he's the only one who asked if it's you, and he's the only one who stepped out and walked on water, and he walked on water. Have you tried to walk on water? I haven't walked on water. I think Peter's the man. So Peter steps out, and the Bible says he had his eyes straight ahead 
the things he could control, his eyes, straight ahead on Jesus. And as long as his eyes were straight ahead on Jesus, you know what he did? He walked on water. What happened? The things he couldn't control, which, by the way, were there before he even stepped out. Peter didn't step out when everything was calm and smooth. He stepped out when the wind and the waves and everything was going crazy. But his eyes weren't focused on that. He was focused straight ahead on Jesus. And he walked. And the minute that he realized that the waves were there and the wind was there, he began to sink. But Jesus, in his care and eventually in his candor, swooped him right up, brought them to shore, and simply said, Hey, look, you have little faith, right? Grace. Pulled him out, didn't let him drown. That would be a horrible day, by the way. Lost one of the disciples today. What happened? Took his eyes off me. Had, had to teach a lesson to the other 11 guys. So, discipleship, right? He cared enough, and he picked him up. And then they had a conversation, right? That's the, listen, if anybody has a bad picture of Jesus and God, that they're mean, and they're, mm, that's not them. Oh, they are so loving, but they love you enough to also tell you the truth. That, that's what Jesus, but, but your eyes, everyone say my eyes. You have to, you have to have to prioritize and focus on what's important. Some of you, you're sinking right now as Omar comes. You always feel overwhelmed. You always feel behind. You always feel less than. You always believe that there's something more. But here's the thing. What if there isn't something more? What if what you have right now and what God has given you is the assignment, is what you are to go all in on? What if there isn't more out there, but the people that he's placed in your life are the ones that you are to live life with? The job or the career that he has given you is where you're supposed to stay. And all you're supposed to do is every single day give your best and put him first and love on God's what what if that is it can I just ask a question why are we so afraid of that why are we so afraid of just being what God has already played why why we're not content but in reality we're completely overwhelmed completely stressed out but in the midst of having everything you've probably prayed for I wanted to be a husband. Thank God he gave me her. And no, I'm not going to be that weird pastor who says, my wife sure is hot, isn't she? Because that, that makes it awkward for the crowd. What are you supposed to say to that? Amen, pastor. Yeah, I got my eye on you now. Don't be looking at my, you know what I mean? Like, what do you do? What do you do with that? But listen to me, the gift, the woman of God that she, I prayed for that. I don't deserve that. I'll tell you that right now. But I prayed for that. I prayed to be a dad. I've got a 13-year-old, a 10-year-old, and a 1-year-old. I prayed to be a pastor. This is all I've ever wanted. This is all I've ever wanted to do. And at times, I find myself going like, got to have more. What more do I need? Some of you, you have so many great things in your life right now. Stop asking for more and start stewarding what God has given you. Start being faithful to that and all in on that and just see what God will do. But you know how you're going to do that? You have to limit all the distractions around you. And you have to put this first. That's all you got to do. Sound easy? Sounds easy. I'll give you a great scripture. Matthew 6, 33. 
But seek first, everyone say first, the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Oh, it's so simple. Put God first, everything you need. He's got it. You guys have heard me talk about the principle of first. Here's a great way to put God first in your life at all times. Ready? It's very simple. First, you got the first of the day. When you wake up, put your focus on Jesus. Do not spend your time scrolling on Facebook before you spend time with God in his book. That sounded so Christian-ass and corny, but I said it, and I can't take it back. You're going to get a shirt? Wonderful. Right? Some of you are seeking the wrong book in the morning, and that's why you're frustrated. You need to put your face and your eyes on God and his word. So this is the principle of first. We're going to put God first in the day. We're going to put God first in the week, and we're going to come to church. The first day of the week is Sunday, not Monday. You've heard me say this. So if you have a bad attitude on Sunday, come to church. We'll get it out of you. You'll go back into your week, and life will be good. But you give God the first of your week. You're saying, on Sunday, in God's house, I understand online. I get it. We've had people that have been sick. I know Jeannie's here today, had hip surgery, had to join us last week. I'm thankful for that. I could see her smiling, and she has a little worship. She moves like this when she worships, right? I could just see it all. I'm thankful for that. What I'm saying is, is God gets the first of our week. We're in church. My family and I, it's our conviction. It doesn't have to be yours, but it's how If we're on vacation, on Sunday morning, we're finding a church to go to. Sunday is God, well, every day is God's day, but especially it's with God and his people. I'll never shy away from that. We also give him the first of our month. In other words, we honor God in the tithes. We're generous people. God is the owner of everything. It's not yours, it's his. It's your job to steward it. Ooh, got quiet in here. Then we give him the first of the year. Every single year we dedicate time to prayer and to fasting. It's the principle of first. He gets the first of my day, the first of my week, the first of my month, and the first of my year. I am putting God first. Wonder what happens when I do all those things right there? I'm not distracted by things that don't matter. It's that simple. I'm focused on the things that I need to be focused on. Let me just say this real quick. You will never wander into righteousness. You'll never wander into it. You won't just one day wake up and go, ah, I'm a righteous person. Doesn't happen that way. You never stumble into being effective. You never fall into bringing glory to God. It's not happenstance. No, no, no. You do it with a fixed purpose. God is number one in my life. Amen? Amen. Lastly, and we close. We then listen and we respond to the voice of God. This is how we choose what is best. We limit the distractions. Okay? We prioritize. But then lastly, we listen and we respond to the voice of God. Isaiah 30, 21. Your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Whenever you turn to the right hand or whenever you turn to the left. The scripture is pretty much saying that as you go throughout your day, God will tell you the yeses and God will tell you the no. The Holy Spirit will whisper into your mind, into your heart, wait a minute. Wait, wait, hold on. Yep, you can do that. That's a good idea. Don't waste your time there. Let's go that way. God is always speaking. People say, I don't, I don't hear God speaking. He's never speaking to me. He gave you a book And it's his voice. And if you were to ask him a question, he would answer with this. God speaks. He's always speaking. So the question I ask a person when they tell me I don't hear God is I ask him, are you in this? 
Step number one, if I'm in this, I'm going to hear God. I'm going to read it, and the Holy Spirit's going to speak to me. It's the best way to do it. So you got you to be led. You have to be led by God. He's a God who speaks, and he speaks through his word. He'll speak through the Holy Spirit. He'll speak through people. God will use people. Think about that. Imperfect people, by the way. You'd be surprised by the people that God would use to come into your life to speak a word at just the right time. That's why we don't devalue anyone. If they are a child of God, they might have a word from God. And they might speak into my life. He might speak to you through a message. If you could understand anything I'm saying as I speak a thousand miles an hour every single week, God might speak to you. He might speak through a song. You ever had a song just move you? In here, I'll tell you, if, you, if I, I know we've got some friends watching online, but some newer believers in our church, sometimes like I'm not going to get on the kick of secular music and all that stuff because half the time, many of y'all can't even define what secular music is. That went over really well. I'll tell you right now, like that's a, we should just do a message on that. Because I'm just going to tell you right now, Sometimes we don't understand God's word. Here, let me just rewind before we go too far into that one, and then you look at me, and I have to tell you to smile again, so everything's good. For some of you, maybe you just need to turn on some worship. Say, I don't have any. We'll get you all you need. What do you need? I'll give it to you. And you seem to spend two or three, maybe on the way to work, instead of talk radio or sports radio, which is very hard for me, by the way. Sports radio, I'm like, I'm in. Sometimes I, mean, I just got to turn that stuff off and just let two or three worship songs minister to hear. It's amazing how God can speak through that. That's why there's value and power in worship, by the way. Do you know that this is actually not a concert band? And thank God for it, because that today, right? This isn't a band. It's a worship team. What's their role? To lead you into God's presence. I, I, okay, I'm just going to let you know. My pack, my in-ears, went out at the beginning of the last song. So I'm not saying this because I'm good, because I'm not. Literally, I had to watch Josh's voice on that last song to know where we were. And I'm like thankful that you use big mouth movies. <laughs> you guys can't see because the microphone's in front of them. So here's what I got to do on that last song, especially when I came down. I got to hear you guys sing. Oh, it was awesome. And you don't realize when you participate and you come here with the intent of worshiping the Lord and growing in his word, game changer. That's why church is so important. It's hard to do that just in your car. You can, but it's so much better here. That it's good to see you. So there you go. You worship. That's why it's so important. God will speak to you through your song. I've also learned as we close, he will also speak to you through circumstances. Sometimes we don't like that. Hard times. It's funny how sometimes we can really hear the voice of God when things are falling apart, right? It's if we press in. If you have ears to hear, a voice behind you will say, choose this, walk this way, be a blessing to that person, serve. Sometimes you also too, be quiet. And if, and if God really needs to get your attention, he'll say, shut up. He speaks, amen? Listen to me. Your life is too valuable and your calling is too great and your God is too good to be distracted by the things that do not 
last. I'm going to say that again. Your life is too valuable. Your calling is too great. Your God is too good to be distracted by the things that do not last. So here's what we're doing today. We're focusing. Everyone say focus. Come on, one more time. Say focus. Amen. That's what we're doing. Thanks again for joining us. If you'd like to connect with us, text CONNECT to 805-321-1357 or visit us at slow.canyonhills.com. Until next time, have a great day and be encouraged that God is with you and for you.